I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to You want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit helloalma.com slash therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's helloalma.com slash therapy30. That was a takeaway from week 14, and there were others, and we'll take a look at that now. You mentioned the Eagles, Dan, watching them perform at a high level. This is the best team in football record-wise, and uh, Jalen Hurst just continues to dominate. They were really no match for the Giants. Um, I think it's it's, uh, fascinating to see how easy that victory seemed from the outside. It's also, you look at how complete this football team is. This is the best team in the league I'm sorry, the best team in the NFC against the worst team in the NFC Sunday at Soldier Field. And the Eagles kind of reasserted their dominance against the Giants in a game that was much easier than I anticipated. Seven sacks by the Eagles defense. The Bears have had four sacks in their six-game losing streak. You do the comparison there, and it'll tell you the kind of test that Justin Fields is going to be facing when he goes out to play on Sunday afternoon at Soldier Field. The the, the uh, Eagles also lead the league in interceptions this season. So you've got a, a defense that rushes the passer well and takes the ball away on the back end. Okay, kid, good luck. Let's see what you you know how much progress you've actually made as a passer, how this new-look offense will look with you running around. And, and, and oh, by the way, you know, they they can challenge you on the other side of the ball with Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown and Devontae Freeman and Miles Sanders and all these guys that have really hit a, a, a stride with one another. Uh, and you look at a team that's that's complete right now. And, and, and man, I, I, I mean, I, I can't overstate it. It's just the, the idea that the Bears have this seven-day stretch, starting Sunday against the Eagles, finishing Christmas Eve against the Bills, to test themselves against these opponents is great because I think it's going to be a different set of games and a different set of circumstances, and their response will tell us a lot about just where this arrow is pointed with this team. After the Eagles took care of the Giants, I got a kick out of Indomitian Sue's uh, tweet about the game where he tweeted, sometimes Giants are smaller than you think. <laughs> That's the typical Sue, isn't it? I mean, he hasn't changed a bit, and he is a guy coming – uh, off the sidelines in a reserve role just shows you what kind of depth they oh, have. the defensive line the depth is crazy and and good luck to that offensive line yeah you're right yeah and so that that was a big takeaway the, the other thing about the Eagles I think when you look at them as discouraging as looking at Sunday's matchup is you have to be encouraged at some level if you are a Bears fan and you're looking for parallels to draw with Justin Fields and ideally ideally 
organizationally because what the Eagles were able to do is what the Bears want to do is that you have your quarterback who is a dual threat, great athlete. You can find a lot of parallels that we have already pointed out between Jalen Hurts and Justin Fields. Offensive line, as strong and sturdy. They protect Jalen Hurts. Uh, weaponry, A.J. Brown, he acquired in a trade. Uh, Devontae Smith, you drafted, and you have a tight end that is a difference maker. You have the weaponry, you have the offensive line, and you have an offensive scheme that is tailored around the skill set of your quarterback, which I think that Nick Sirianni, I don't know that I'd rank him in the top half of head coaches in the NFL if I'm making a list, but I do give him credit for being able to recognize what's happening and to lean in to Jalen Hurts' skill set and multiplicity in the way that the Bears did with Justin Fields and that versatility. Nick Sirianni certainly should be on the short list of coach of the year candidates. If they finish this year at, at, at 16 and one or, or 15 and two, uh, no one came into the, the season saying, boy, that's going to be a team that just runs through the NFC. And by the way, in a division that's, that's proven to be pretty, pretty tough this year, more so than in most years. So they're doing some impressive things there. And, and, Maybe the Bears get him to take an exhale after a blowout win over the Giants. Maybe they catch that break this week. But it just seems like a team that's pretty focused and and ready to rock and roll and is going to come in here knowing exactly who they are. And that's the other thing you see when you when you watch them uh, closely. It's just the man you you pointed it out. It's just identity, and it's an identity that's crystallized and it's an identity that's unwavering. And they just know what what to do. And again, on defense, you you know Fletcher Cox, Hassan Reddick, C.J. Gardner Johnson won't play in this game. He's still on injured reserve with the with the lacerated kidney but uh they've got they've got players over there and and they're going to make life difficult speaking of coaches making an impact uh, the, the other thing that i saw uh with a bearless sunday was watching the vikings and the lions and the lions beating <laughs> the vikings and you have to give uh dan campbell due respect I, he's not a guy that i looked at you know he's an entertainment he 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 definitely is fun to see and hard knocks and you like his press conferences and, the, and his introductory one is legendary. But I always thought that it, it was that you can only do that so long. And I didn't know how that would work, but Dan, you got to give the Lions credit. They're at six and seven. And at this point of the season, Dan Campbell has as good of a shot and as, as good of a record um, as Tom Brady does. I know it's a much different situation, but who'd have thought the Lions would be in this situation. They are, a team that embodies their head coach and they are not a team that goes away quietly. And now they are a hot team. I don't know where it's headed, but I have been impressed. Yeah, I was looking it up. They, they, they've won five of their last six. It started with that uh, upset of the Packers in early November when they picked off Rodgers three times down near the goal line. Uh, and then they came to Soldier Field the next week and stole that game late. And they've been they've been riding the belief train since then. Five and one, their only loss is that heartbreaker on Thanksgiving Day uh, where Josh Allen went and tore their heart out on the, on the last drive of regulation. But but they, they've been on a roll. And so, so a five and one surge to climb from off of the, the television screen to, you know, climbing that ladder on the in, in the hunt graphic every week gives them a chance to play for something meaningful down the stretch of December and January. That's not something that we're, we're used to talking about. The other question here is, is they, they, they have draft capital, right? Like they're going to go into this, this draft in April with a chance to go get their successor for Jared Goff. And so there's a two part 
prong to this question. Number one, if you were the Bears, would you trade the number two or number three overall pick to a division rival to go get their guy that, that could make them real dangerous in the division? The other part is if the Lions do get their franchise quarterback and it, the guy proves to be the real deal, is their roster in better shape at this moment to go be closer to hoisting up a Lombardi trophy or at least playing deep into January in the coming years or, or taking the North, I guess I'll stick with the podcast. If they be closer <laughs> to taking the North after next year's draft, if this goes a certain way, because they do have the Rams pick, the Rams have bottomed out. Yeah. Stunningly. It, yeah. And so even in spite of the Baker Mayfield victory, you, you think they're going to be drafting pretty high, but that that's a good question. I, I would add a third one. And, and this, I think is, this, this could be could potentially more concerning to Bears fans than any of the two that you asked in my book. What if they think that Jared Goff is the answer based on the way that he finishes the season and based on the fact that he has been better than expected and they use that pick in the top five to get a difference maker like, you know, whoever the defensive lineman the Bears don't choose, maybe. And maybe it's somebody who makes them different defensively so they are dominant on that side of the ball with the front seven they do have an offense that might be capable capable with jared Goff as this as the gatekeeper as the game manager a little bit better than that, that maybe but dan what if they think that jared Goff has played his way into a, a place of stability within the organization and they use that pick on an onto another position yeah, uh, it'd be fascinating. Worth checking in with our, our our friends in Detroit here as the month comes to an end to figure out where their brain is with Jared Goff right now. He got Jamison Williams back a couple weeks ago. Jamison Williams takes his first catch the other day for a 41-yard touchdown. It was the only catch he had all day, but it's that reminder of, oh, yeah, they went and got themselves a, a stud receiver who was coming off injury, and as soon as that guy gets the full health, I love that guy coming into the draft last year, and I was pretty vocal about uh, you know just – the the excitement level Lions fans should feel that their team went and got a guy like that to bolster their offense. And so now you got a, a young playmaking receiver to pair with another young playmaking receiver in Amon Ross St. Brown. And and now that gives your quarterback some things to work with. And so if you feel like Goff can be your version of Kirk Cousins, right, and, and be a veteran guy who's never going to be, you know, thought of as one of the top five or six guys in the league, but can put you in playoff contention every year. Well, then maybe you can use some of that uh, money and, and, and well, more likely the, the draft resources to address other positions. Um, fascinating though. I mean, we, we had the lions left for dead when November started and here they oh. are potentially playing a playoff game a month from now. In a division that I think is going to be very winnable in the next couple of years because of what's going on in green Bay, because the Vikings as talented as they are, they're the first 10 and three team in history to have a negative point differential. So I think that uh, is interesting. They're probably catchable. Uh, The bears are whatever they are. And so you have, you have a division that's going to be competitive again, I think, and it's not going to be as top heavy as it has in past years. Hate to tie these topics together, but five of the Lions' seven losses have been by four points or less. Perhaps in those close losses, they figured out how to learn how to win. Maybe they did. (laughs) Shudder the thought. (laughs) Let's keep that between us and this audience. Um, Other stuff that went on is interesting. I want to get your thoughts on this because we talk so much about the quarterback and the role the quarterback plays in every organization and their ability to believe that they have a Super Bowl team on the horizon. Okay, let's go out to the Bay Area. Let's go out to San Francisco. 
This is their third quarterback, Brock Purdy, uh, yeah. who, who led them to led them to a victory or participated in a victory. However you want to phrase it, Brock Purdy was the quarterback when the San Francisco 49ers manhandled the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> and, and it wasn't even close. Now, I ask you this. What happens if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, get to the Super Bowl with their third quarterback, who is very little more than a game manager, who was very good on Sunday against the Bucs? What will that do to this entire argument and this entire league-wide trend where the quarterback is all that matters? You mean the same 49ers that came to Soldier Field to open the season and lost in a month yeah. soon? That yeah, team? That, yeah. that, they might hoist up? Yeah. They're such a peculiar team to me for so many reasons. It's because they are so complete in so many ways, and yet they've been having to juggle this quarterback situation in, in just a way that makes no sense. Like, no one even expected Jimmy Garoppolo to be in San Francisco when the season began, when we were back in, you know, April. Uh, and and then he he takes over, and then he gets hurt, and Brock Purdy comes in, and, and I'm cooking or, or, or watching my wife cook dinner on Sunday night. Let me make sure I get credit where credit's due, but we're getting, we're getting the dinner table ready. And I hear Kurt Menefee say, Hey, we're going to switch away from this, this blowout of Tom Brady, the 49ers over the Buccaneers. So we can take it to the, 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 the Panthers Seahawks game. And he had to just kind of shake your head and go, Oh my goodness, it's 35 to nothing. And they're switching away from Tom Brady on Fox to get you over to the Panthers Seahawks. And it was just a, such a resounding performance in so many ways. Uh, Look, I don't want to get a, a, out over my skis or get ahead of ourselves with, with who we think Brock Purdy's ultimately going to become. I heard Bill Cowher last week saying, what if he's the next Tom Brady because he's a late-round pick? He was Mr. Irrelevant, and you know maybe he's motivated by that, and, and now he got his opportunity late in the season with a team that's positioned to go win in the postseason. And may, who knows, right? Like that, that, that fairy tale cover is open to that book, and it's up to him to write his story. I'm not going that far by any stretch of the imagination, but what a what a, what a team that they have if they could just get some stability at quarterback or a guy that could could make big-time plays for them. You, you'd, you'd think they'd be positioned to win two or three of these things. It also underscored to me just how imbalanced the league is in terms of the AFC having all the great quarterbacks, the NFC having guys like Geno Smith and Sam Darnold and Brock Purdy, who we saw playing, you know, well, let's go to one game with Brock Purdy. No, we're going to go to Geno Smith uh, versus, yeah, it just it underscores just how imbalanced it is. And Trevor Lawrence now, yeah, he was coming into his own very quietly down in Jacksonville, added to that group of quarterbacks who I think in the AFC are way above average. I mean, for me, that was a Sunday of of you. You've got the noon slate, and Trevor Lawrence is now playing like he deserved to be the number one overall pick a year ago, and it really has himself locked in in a way, particularly in that game against Tennessee on Sunday, where you're like, "Well, that's that's some high level stuff." Through three touchdown passes, rushed for another one. Uh, it was just putting the ball where it needed to be in most occasions, and you add him to that list as you mentioned. So you get you get you get to watch Trevor Lawrence and Burrow and Josh Allen in the noon slate, and then at three twenty five, you see Patrick Mahomes making another magician play which is which I don't even know what it was it was like a basketball no look Chris Paul pass to Jarek McKinnon that somehow turns into a touchdown and then you finish the night watching Justin Herbert continue his ascent which for three seasons has been pretty impressive and the and the the the, the stockpile of talent at that position in that conference is such a benefit to the Bears because they're in a conference where it's not like that. And and two of the better quarterbacks in the NFC are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady, who are, are going to be in their rocking chairs before you know it. And so the doors are open 
on this side of the uh, of the NFL to to state your case and jump in that mix and 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 be a team that says, hey, look at our guy, look at our engine, look at look at the place he can make, look at the star he can become, and what ultimately that can do to the championship dreams of Chicago. But man, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> to go from Lawrence to uh, Mahomes to to Herbert in a in a three game viewing experience on Sunday, it was like, wow, that's that's good stuff. Not to be mean, but Mitch Trubisky will not be on the AFC list of great quarterbacks. He was kind of uh, he was kind of notable on Sunday, though, throwing a pick to an ex-teammate <laughs> who is having quite a season in Baltimore. Mitch Trubisky picked off by Roquan Smith. I didn't see if Roquan had anything to say about it after the game. Probably something I should look up and and, and figure out if there's a soundbite there that Roquan had. But yeah. It- it was basically he, he threw he made the bad throw. He's gonna have to pay for a bad throw. It wasn't anything like that. We would uh, it would resonate in Chicago. I mentioned that we watched that that noon set of games at Buffalo Wild Wings, and there was a diehard Steelers fan belly up to the bar, a couple tables away from us. And you'd be watching, you know, you'd have the the Browns Bengals on this TV. You're looking over here, and then every 20 minutes you'd hear Trubisky. <laughs> this guy was so <laughs> upset that his guy his guy had just thrown another interception and it was really giving the boys a, a kick out of like oh well, they, this guy really can't stand mitch i was like man you guys have no idea and i mean it just illuminates right like we don't need to, to beat a dead horse here and but the idea that that mitch trubisky uh wasn't given a fair shake in chicago which is still a thought process in some circles in the city is just crazy was was he given the best chance to succeed no matt nagy didn't set him up for the ideal slate of success but he had 50 plus starts here to show you who he was as a quarterback and who he was as a quarterback is still who he is as a quarterback and the the, the odds are that he's going to be out of pittsburgh when the next free agency cycle rolls around and all of a sudden mitch is going to be on his fourth team trying to figure out what his actual role and niche in this league is and i don't know that there's much there other than being a very very supportive backup uh as a guy who can can be a classroom tutor and a and a, a nice support system for a guy that you feel can be your long-term starter and kenny pickett is a long-term starter in pittsburgh i think he was concussed which was yes. why uh mitch was in the game kenny pickett has had some injuries and been a little inconsistent as you expect rookie starters will be but it also struck me as we watched that and, and again not to jump to too rash of a conclusion but there's a chance that uh, by the time we get to the end of the season the first quarterback taken in the 2022 nfl draft will not end the season with as much promise as the last one taken in the 2022 nfl draft brock purdy because brock purdy was last kenny pickett was first and boy, those guys have ha- are spending December's thinking much differently about their immediate futures. Uh, I'd rather be Pickett, I think, in terms of the career. But Brock Purdy is in a great situation in San Francisco because of that defense and because of that coaching staff. Just to tie a loose end on it, Mitch was 22 for 30, 276 yards, one touchdown late to Pat Fryermuth, three interceptions, a 73.1 rating. But to your point, yes, he, he, the, the first quarterback taken isn't always the best quarterback taken, as we have learned here in the city. Uh, and and we'll see what, what direction these guys take it. it. Ideally, if you are a guy like Brock Purdy, you want to wind up in a situation that allows you to have weapons all over the field at every single position. And so to to be able to to use Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey and George Kittle and Brandon and, and everybody else that they've got in that offense to help you. Uh, you just got to do your job. And the next thing you know, you're, you're, you're beating the, the greatest of all time, 35 to nothing. 